The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by the Embassy of Japan, celebrating Japan's gift of cherry blossom trees and Japan-U.S. friendship. Little flower, big story. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, March 25th. In today's news, a second Parkland student has apparently committed suicide. BB is cutting short his D.C. trip because of more violence in Gaza. And Cory Booker is looking strong in South Carolina. But first, the big idea and what everyone in Washington is talking about. Special counsel Bob Mueller did not find that Donald Trump or his campaign schemed with Russians to interfere in the 2016 presidential election according to a summary released Sunday afternoon by Attorney General Bill Barr. The president called Mueller's report total exoneration, even though Mueller reached no conclusion about whether the president obstructed justice. After a nearly two-year investigation, Mueller's findings seem to dispel the cloud of conspiracy that has hung over the administration since its inception. But by delivering caveats alongside conclusions— The closing of the Mueller investigation opens the door to fiercer political fights over the president's judgment and power. The four-page summary issued by Barr declared, quote, The special counsel's investigation did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the 2016 U.S. presidential election. The letter noted that Mueller's probe said no such conspiracy was found despite multiple offers from Russia-affiliated individuals to assist the Trump campaign. Barr said he and Justice Department officials separately determined on their own that there was insufficient evidence to make an obstruction accusation against the president, although Mueller was not definitive on that point. Barr says that Mueller, in his report, wrote, quote, While this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Barr added that the Mueller report sets out evidence on both sides of the question. It also leaves unresolved what the special counsel views as difficult issues of law and fact concerning whether the president's actions and intent could be viewed as obstruction. The decision to forego a conclusion as to whether the president tried to obstruct justice struck a discordant note with current and former law enforcement officials who pointed out that this was one of the primary reasons for appointing a special counsel in the first place. Barr's letter doesn't make clear whether Mueller asked Barr to make a final determination on the question of obstruction, and a spokesman for Mueller declined to comment. Barr reiterated on Sunday that his goal and intent is to release as much of this report as he can. These were just the principal conclusions, he said. But his timeline for disclosing more information was murky. The battle now moves to Capitol Hill. The top two Democrats in Congress accused Barr of bias and questioned his judgment in deciding that Trump hadn't committed obstruction. They alluded to opinion pieces and a private memo that Barr wrote when he was still a civilian just nine months ago. Those writings were very critical of some of the elements that were key to Mueller's work, specifically related to the question of obstruction. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi say Barr's letter raises as many questions as it answers. They repeated their demand for the full report to be made public, saying the American people have a right to know. And the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, says he wants Barr to come testify on the Hill as soon as possible. But the findings released Sunday are an unmistakable political victory for Trump. No collusion has shifted from a defiant mantra to a rallying cry for the president's 2020 reelect. 
Barr's letter bolsters Trump's long-held stance about the Russia investigation, feeds into his notion that the Washington establishment is out to get him, and probably makes it more difficult for House Democrats to continue their investigations of the president. And it dramatically reduces the odds he will be impeached. The extent of Trump's victory could be tempered, however, if Democrats succeed in the push for Mueller's full report to be released. The report could document in detail questionable behavior by the president, and many unanswered questions remain. Nonetheless, a feeling of euphoria swept over the White House staff on Sunday night as aides celebrated the end of the Mueller investigation. Historians and politicians who have studied past national scandals say that Mueller's conclusions are likely to harden congressional Republicans' wall of support for Trump while strengthening Democratic demands to hold Trump accountable and ultimately resulting in little change in public opinion. Looking forward, Mueller's conclusions seem likely to propel Washington into a period of prolonged and even more heightened partisan combat. The report, at least as summarized by Barr, contains fuel enough for both sides to cling to their version of the truth about the Trump campaign's ties to Russia, and not nearly enough for either side to alter their views. Finally, a variety of other criminal investigations still hover over the president. His company, his inaugural committee, and some of his closest allies remain under scrutiny by state and federal investigators, including in the Southern District of New York. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, in the span of one week, two teenagers have died by suicide in Parkland, Florida, the community still grieving from last year's deadly mass shooting where 17 teachers and students died. The mother of a recent graduate from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School said last week that her daughter had taken her own life. Sydney Ayello, 19, was a senior at the school during the massacre. One of her best friends, Meadow Pollock, was killed. In the years since, she had struggled with survivor's guilt and had recently been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, according to her mother. During the weekend, word began to spread that another Parkland teenager had also died in what authorities said is an apparent suicide. The student's name and age haven't been released yet, and police say the death is under investigation. While mental health advocates caution against jumping to conclusions, in the community, students and parent activists quickly linked the deaths. Number two, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is cutting short his trip to Washington after a rocket fired from the Gaza Strip hit an Israeli home and injured seven. He will meet with Trump at the White House today, but no longer plans to speak at the AIPAC conference. Of the seven Israelis who were injured in the house, which is in an agricultural area, three were children. Israeli media reports that the house will need to be destroyed because it's no longer safe. Initially, Israel said that Hamas was responsible and then clarified a few hours later that the group may have launched the rocket by mistake. Number three, a survey of Democratic Party county chairs in South Carolina indicates that Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, the two African-American senators seeking the nomination, are considered the frontrunners by insiders in the state. The Charleston Post and Courier reached out to 30 county chairs to ask who people are most interested in right now. 26 of them said Cory Booker and 23 said Kamala Harris. Joe Biden is a wild card who could change the dynamic. He's cultivated relationships in that state for many years. Booker has been moving to the left to compete against more progressive primary opponents, but the shift continues to test his instincts to reach across the aisle to advance his agenda. Booker hasn't gone as far as many of his rivals in calling for radical moves like ending the legislative filibuster or packing the Supreme Court. 
He still hopes he can win the nomination by appealing to people's higher angels and promising to bring the country together. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, March 25th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 